0: Welcome to the Kingdom Life San Antonio podcast. For more information about Kingdom Life San Antonio, check out kingdomlifesa.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Thanks for tuning in. Here's today's message. Awesome. Well, hey, I could just feel, man, the tenderness of the Lord and, and just the presence of God during worship. And don't you love that he just loves to meet with us? And uh, how many of you loved having Ben and Jody and Keely in the team with us? Wasn't that awesome? I just felt the presence of God so strong then as well. And it's just for me, sometimes when the presence of God comes into the room, uh, all I can do is just cry. It's just, he's just, he's here. And it just, I never want to, I never want to take for granted and I never want to like get used to or become so familiar with the presence of God. And I never want to just dismiss it as a feeling because the presence of God is God. Like what would we do if Jesus like manifested himself in the flesh and just walked into the room? And sometimes in my times with the Lord lately, I've just been imagining like what would happen if Jesus, because he, you know, he still does this to people sometimes. It hasn't happened to me yet, but I'm welcoming it. Like what would happen if you're just you're in your living room and you're reading your Bible or maybe you're just doing the dishes and Jesus manifests himself and he walks into the room. And lately, as I've been spending time with the Lord, I've just been like, Lord, I might not be seeing you like that right now with my naked eye, but you're still here. And guys, he's here. And, and I love that just during worship and as we fix our affections and our hearts on his presence, he just continues to come closer. And as we lean in, he comes a little bit closer. And, and I don't know about you, but I'm excited because I believe that what we're entering into, the church, capital C, is entering into, is the greatest manifestation of the glory of God found in the person of Jesus. And he's just going to continue to come and reveal himself to us. And, and I love that Anne-Marie, I'm saying I surrender because how many of you know that fire falls on sacrifice? And I'm not talking about sacrifice as in, you know, we do these things, you know, to try to earn the presence of God. I'm talking about a yieldedness and a surrender to the person of Jesus that draws the presence and glory of God into our midst. And there's something about just a yielded surrendered heart that he can't resist. And uh, so I'm excited. Are you? Awesome. Well, I want to share uh, just something that's on my heart. And I don't want to share long because we're going to jump back into worship tonight. were like, and I were like, what are we going to do tonight? And uh, I was like, I don't know. I think I'm going to share this. And I always say think because I really want to you know, make room for the Holy Spirit, and I want you to know that I'm completely okay with scrapping my message. I've heard myself preach so many times that I'm really okay with not listening to me again, but I also want to be sensitive and obedient. I am going to share a little bit that I believe the Lord um, has put on my heart, and, uh, and then we're going to um, go back into some worship, and I really believe that some fire is going to fall tonight, and there's going to be fresh fire poured on our hearts as it pertains to the kingdom and just passion for Jesus. But can we just pray again and just welcome Holy Spirit? Father, I just thank you for your presence, and I thank you for your word that's alive and active. And Jesus, I pray that you would come with an increasing measure of your spirit, and I ask that you would release a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we might know you more, and that we would leave tonight more in love with you, more convinced of your love for us, and our hearts would be set aflame with passion for your name, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, uh, for those that are visiting, my name's Chuck. I'm one of the pastors here, and um, uh, we're just having fun with y'all tonight. So, if you have your Bibles, jump, jump with me to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22, I've just been Kind of stuck in the Gospels lately. Right now, I'm actually reading through Luke, um, but I want to read this passage from Matthew, uh, chapter 22, starting in verse 23. And as you're turning there, um, this is one of those occasions where um, where the the Sadducees—sometimes it's the Pharisees, sometimes it's the Sadducees—the religious leaders are trying to like trick Jesus. They're they're, they're jealous of him. They're uh, uh, they don't like him. The religious spirit is trying to squash what he's trying to do. But how many of you know that the religious spirit will never triumph over the purpose of Jesus? That the gates of hell will not prevail. And, but they're trying to trip him up. And uh, as usual, Jesus kind of just kind of makes it backfire on them. But it says this. It says, the same day the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him, Jesus, and asked him, saying, Teacher, Moses said that if a man dies having no kids, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. And then they're like this. Now, what about this? Hypothetically, there were with us seven brothers. The first died after he married and having no offspring, left his wife to his brother. Likewise, the second also, and the third, even the seventh. Last of all, the woman died also. Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife of the seven will she be? For they all had her. And I can kind of picture this, Sadducees kind of presenting this to Jesus. And then they just kind of lean back and and cross their arms like, what are you going to do with that? Jesus, and uh, you know you've probably heard this before, but my first question is, why was she married seven times? Why did this woman outlive seven men, and they all died? And uh, anyway, that's 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 a different story, I guess. But they're like Jesus, what are you going to do with that? And then it says this, verse twenty nine. Jesus answered and said to them, "You are mistaken, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God." For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like the angels of God in heaven. But concerning the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was spoken to you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And when the multitudes multitudes heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. But the one scripture that I want to just kind of lock lock in on for a minute is verse 29. Where Jesus answered and said to them, you are mistaken, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. The Passion Translation puts it this way. Jesus answered and said to them, you are diluted because your hearts are not filled with the revelation of the scriptures or the power of God. In uh, just this, the beginning of this year, January this year, it marked, it's crazy, I, I feel really old now. It marked uh, 27 years since I surrendered my life to Jesus. Um, I mean, I've been, I think, I, I honestly remember when I first started working with youth and young adults, I was only like a four year old Christian. I remember telling people, yeah, I'm only four years in the Lord. Now it's like, I've, I've been a Christian 27 years, and uh, it makes me feel kind of old. But um, I got saved in January 1994, and uh, uh, you know I like to tell my story by saying like I I grew up uh, I got saved and got influenced in crazy church like we're talking like a church that experienced it was a vineyard church in Canada experienced a revival outpouring we're meeting every night of the week for for months as the Holy Spirit is just crashing in in our meetings but I like to tell people like I got saved and grew up in crazy church my wife grew up Southern Baptist so she's she's grounded me in, in a lot of ways but now she's kind of you know, Baptist roots and still in crazy church. And, uh, but that's kind of how I grew up. But I can, I can honestly say that throughout my 27 years walking with the Lord, there's two extremes that I've seen in the church. And one extreme that I've seen are those who, uh, you know, have a really high value for the Bible have an extremely high value for scripture, for doctrine, for truth, for the Bible, but have little to no value for signs, wonders, miracles, or any type of manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And uh, that's one extreme that I've seen. And uh, it's like for some Christians, like their God consists of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Bible. Like that's their God. But anything, signs, wonders, miracles, experiential by the Spirit of God, that doesn't happen anymore. In fact, there's a doctrine that was originated by John Calvin many years ago called cessationism. And they believe that after all the 12 apostles died, all of the gifts of the Spirit, miracles, speaking in tongues, signs and wonders, they all stopped too. It's an actual doctrine. And uh, they believe that. Now, I, I honestly, you know, you probably know this, don't believe that doctrine. And in fact, they they base that one doctrine on like one scripture from 1 Corinthians 13. And you can read it, but it basically says, when that which is perfect is complete, it talks about all the gifts of the spirit and all that stuff. And it says, when that which is perfect is complete, these things shall cease. So And, and they, they're like, well, that's the completion of, you know, the books of the Bible that will be written and the death of all the apostles. When that's, you know, once that's done, all the gifts will stop. I personally believe that, that which, when that which is perfect is complete, is when is the second coming of Christ. When we're, we're going to be fully manifested with Christ as sons and daughters of God. Because how many of you know you don't need the gift of healing in heaven? You don't need tongues of men and angels in heaven because I don't know what it's going to look like. It's going to be crazy. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. But that's kind of one extreme. And, you uh, I want to honor those that are, you know, have Baptist backgrounds, have a strong, you know, Bible church background with that love. You, listen, we cannot love the Bible too much. However, we can love the Holy Spirit too little in relation to the Bible. And the danger in that extreme is we can get filled with a ton of Bible knowledge but not really know its author. Listen, the devil knows a lot of scripture. In fact, he used scripture against Jesus himself, like he thought he had a chance, but he like, tried to trip up Jesus with scripture. But the, that the, the danger is that we can be so filled with, in fact, scripture itself tells us that knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And that the danger of that extreme is we can be so filled with, with, with the knowledge of scripture, but not really know its author. And, uh, and, and that's a danger, and, and that's an extreme. Uh, but the other extreme that I've seen in the church are those who, you know, have tasted and seen of the encounter realm, uh, you know, Uh, encountering Jesus signs wonders miracles um, lying on the floor soaking in his presence that's what I was brought up in that's that's what I've known and the danger of that extreme is there's people that are so caught up in experience that when it comes to scripture it's like I'll take it or leave it it's like yeah God probably speaks through scripture but man just give me encounter like, I just want to lay on the floor. I want to see angels. You know, I want to, I want to like meet my angels, angel. And I just want to smell the presence of God. And I want to understand the mysteries of God and all that. And some, sometimes people in that camp in that extreme are running from conference to conference to, you know, session to its session you know, chasing the next encounter or even chasing the next prophetic word. And honestly, sometimes I just want to say, you know what? I have a whole bunch of prophetic words for you. <laughs> and they're right here. Like when's the last time you like cracked open your Bible and said, Holy Spirit, come encounter me through your book. Come give me a fresh word. Make the, make the Logos written word become Rama to my spirit. And I can honestly say, like, lately, when I'm sitting down to read Scripture, I'm sitting down to read it, and I'm inviting Holy Spirit. Not only that, I'm imagining Jesus in the flesh stepping into the room and saying, Jesus, let me just, or Chuck, let me just unlock some of that for you. Let me release a spirit of revelation. And I'm finding myself just reading Scriptures that maybe I've read for years, but all of a sudden they're coming alive in a fresh way, and my heart is starting to burn. My heart's starting to burn within me with a truth that maybe I've heard thousands of times. But how many of you know it's one thing to know something here. It's another thing for it to get inside of you. It's one thing to read the message. It's another thing to like become the message and that it burn inside of you. So I'd like to propose to you that it's not one or the other. It's both and. And, and I really believe that the Lord is inviting the church in this hour to be a church of the word and the spirit, because here's the deal. I believe the more we fall in love with Jesus and encounter the Holy Spirit, the more we're gonna cultivate a love for his word. And I believe the more we get into his word with a spirit of revelation and say, God, come speak to me through scripture, the more it's a gateway to encounter his manifest presence. It's not one or the other, it's both Then, and. and Jesus said, listen, guys, you are diluted because you don't know scripture or the power of God. And I really believe that when we embrace both, when we pursue both, and we invite God to encounter us with both, listen, there is a glory of God being released to the church that I really believe is unprecedented. But it's going to manifest in both the Word and the Spirit. So I just want to talk just a little bit tonight, and then we're going to jump back into worship. Um, But I just want to share for a couple minutes of kind of what it looks like to just cultivate a love. A love. For both encounter, manifestation, and being a people of scripture. Because it's not one or the other, it's both and. One of my mentors used to say this all the time. He said, listen, if we're all word and no spirit, we'll dry up. And But if we're all spirit, but we're not grounded in scripture, we're going to blow up. <laughs> but if we develop a passion for both the word and the spirit we will grow up into mature sons and daughters of god that i believe will manifest the glory of god in the earth but i want to talk for a minute just about being a people of the spirit like i, I again i got saved in crazy church i uh I got saved in January 94, the same same month that there was a a revival and outpouring in Toronto, Canada. Some of you have read about it. Randy Clark flies to this vineyard church that's in this warehouse so close to the airport that while somebody was preaching in in this warehouse church, every time a a plane would fly by, it was so loud they had to stop preaching, wait for the plane to pass. And then they keep just this humble, ragtag, grassroots, uh, you know, Group of Jesus lovers, kind of like Kingdom Life San Antonio, chasing after the presence of God. Randy Clark was invited to do like four nights of meetings. And the presence of God came so strong, so manifest, so weighty. That they were like, we can't stop this. We need, to, we need to keep meeting every night. And they started meeting every night. Long story short, people flew from all over the world to this revival, to this outpouring, whatever it is you want to call it. And uh, I got saved that same month. By the time April came, my pastor of the church in Eastern Canada that I was part of and the entire leadership team flies to Toronto and gets absolutely blasted in this revival. And they come back like absolutely intoxicated in the presence of God, like drunk, like some of them just laughing so uncontrollably because they're so filled with the joy of the Lord. Some of them just stripped of just religion and, uh, and really their self-dignity and where God just kind of freed them from themselves. But the, the, the primary, I mean, there's so many manifestations. People shook, people fell down, people laughed, people cried, people did all kinds of sorts of things. And yes, there was flesh and there was also spirit. Because how many of you know there's never been a revival that didn't have some wonky stuff involved with it? because there's people involved (laughs) and even if it's perfect as soon as you go visit it it won't be anymore no i'm just kidding but (laughs) but we're people you know what i mean we're people and like god's not looking for perfect people just looking for surrendered vessels so the presence of god started to come and 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 then my church started to encounter this and i was brand new in the lord and uh you know, literally like months old in the Lord. And I was just so hungry for his presence, everything he had for me. And I remember on a Saturday night at youth group, the night before my pastor and the team came back from Toronto to share and release what happened, my youth pastor said, listen, uh, Steve and the team just got back from Toronto. Crazy stuff is happening. And I wanna encourage all of you youth to sit as close to the front as possible tomorrow morning because something amazing is gonna happen. And I could just feel this stirring, this hunger, this anticipation. And I was like, it's like I could almost kind of taste it. It's like it was in the air. And uh, I was like, I don't know what that means, but I'm in. (laughs) And I remember showing up and we have worship and the atmosphere is just charged with anticipation, with this hunger, like anything could happen. And then we had those like old school lines of masking tape on the carpet where, you know, the prayer model was if you want a touch from God, come on up and stand on the tape and lift your hands and think about Jesus. So I stood there, I I came up, was one of the first ones up at the invitation, lifted my hands, closed my eyes, thought about Jesus. And the ministry team would start to come down the line and they would just kind of get close to me and my knees started to get weak. And I was like, oh, there he is, there he is, there he is, what's gonna happen? And like, I could have resisted it, but the glory of God came and the weight of God came. You know, one of the words for glory it means weight. It's the weight of God. It's the kebab presence of Holy Spirit, started to rest on me. And I could have fought it, but I'm like, who wants to do that? My, pastor, my pastor's like, if you feel like the Holy Spirit's trying to lay you on the floor, just let them do it. There's catchers. They'll take care of you. So I'm like, okay, and I just go with it. And I just lay on the floor as, as the glory of God began to wash over me. And I just began to just get touched and marked. By the manifest presence of God. I mean, I could go into that building to this day in Eastern Canada and show you places on the carpet where I laid for hours, my 16 years old, my hair everywhere, absolutely drunk, going home, intoxicated in the glory of God. If that offends you, I'm sorry, it's not my fault. It's actually in the Bible. <laughs> in Acts 2, it says that as when they're filled with the Holy Spirit, they accuse them of being drunk. And Peter's like, they're not drunk like you think they are. Like, this is what was prophesied in Joel too. I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. And I started to taste this and encounter this. And and then I started bringing it home. And I, I was raised by a single mom. My sister came uh, to this church service, gave her life to Jesus. She got touched too. And on this particular night, we were so filled with the joy of the Lord. I remember us going home and I'm lying in bed on a school night, just can't stop laughing. Just the joy of the Lord bubbling out of me. And my sister's room's next to me, so it's like bubbling out of me, and then it's out of her, and then it's out of me, and then it's out of her. And my mom is like, what is going on? We're like, it's the Holy Spirit. She's like, okay, go back to sleep, you know. And, and uh, But then my pastor said, listen, in the same way that you're encountering him at church, you can encounter him at home. And I'm like, are you kidding me? He's like, no, 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 you can do this everywhere you go. I'm like, oh, this is, this is getting better and better. So I remember just going home and uh, putting on CDs. For those that don't know what CDs are, there's, there's little circle kind of flat disc things that play music, <laughs> stuff like that. They're, they're, um, uh, they're what, what's the word for it? They're antique. Anyway, they're, they're vintage. And uh, anyway, cassette tapes. Remember eight tracks? My mom used to have eight tracks. So these were CDs, and I put on a worship CD in my bedroom with my little, like, you know. Remember Discman's? <laughs> I got I got a Discman. And I had a little, like, portable CD player. Like, I was set. And I would put on my CD in my bedroom. And I remember, I didn't have tape on the floor, but I would just stand there as the worship music's playing. Kind of similar to lately reading my Bible and saying, you know, Jesus is here with me. I don't see him in the flesh, but he's here. I would just talk to Holy Spirit. And I would say, come Holy Spirit. I'm like, I'm not the, there's no ministry team here. So I'm going to be the receiver and the ministry team. So with one hand, I would say, I would put it out. And with the other hand, I would literally put it on my head and say, come Holy Spirit. (laughs) Just bless Chuck, fill him up more. Like that's, this is what I learned from my pastor. So I'd be like, more Lord. I would start to feel him come. So I'd be like, yes, Lord, more, (laughs) more, fill him up. And guys, he would come. Like, he would come, and I would just be aware of him, and he would start to fill my room, and I would start to feel the glory coming, and I was like, I think I'm going to fall down. So I'm like, I guess I'm the catcher, too, and I, like, put my hand behind me, and I, like, let myself, and sometimes, like, for two hours, I would just lie in my room as the presence of God would come, the glory of God would come, and he began to mark me with a hunger and a love for his manifest presence. Can I just say that during the 90s, during all of this outpouring, it was so strong that so many leaders were convinced, this is it. Jesus is coming back any day. It's probably in about three years. It can't get any better than this. This is going to be awesome. And then, do you know what some prophetic voices started to say? They started to say, listen, this isn't it. This is awesome, but this is a wave. And even when this wave starts to wane and it seems like it's starting to um, die down they said there is going to be another wave that is going to so eclipse what it is that you're experiencing and it is going to be a mark by thousands and millions being swept into the presence of God because of a demonstration of the glory of God and I believe that's that's what's ahead for us some of you know Matt Gonzalez man um this is crazy just first time I met Matt Gonzalez he was in Vacaville California just a couple years ago and Joey's like, "Hey, Matt, prophesy over Chuck." Joey's really good at like giving Matt things to do. He's like, "Give that person a word." <laughs> see that person? Prophesy. Get a word for them. And Matt's like, "Okay." Matt sits down with me, and he's sitting beside me, and he starts praying for me, and he goes, "I just see uh I just see a journal. It's a brown journal." I'm like, "Yep, that's in my briefcase." <laughs> and he goes, "And you've written some things in that that you haven't shared, but the Lord is is telling you it's it's, it's time to soon share that." And then he said this. He said, there's something about 1994. I said, yeah, and I'm thinking that's when I got saved. That's where I countered the Holy Spirit. He said, there's something about 1994, and I hear the Holy Spirit saying, there is another wave coming. (laughs) And he he said, you were immersed in the first wave, but you're going to ride the second wave. And I believe it's the wave that we all get to ride that is going to be such a beautiful outpouring and manifestation, whatever you want to call it, awakening, whatever it is you want to call it, of the Holy Spirit. And I believe it is going to be marked by a demonstration of the raw power of God. We need to be a people of the Spirit. Paul told the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 2, he like, listen, when I came to you, my preaching, my teaching wasn't with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith won't rest in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. Listen, I really believe this next move is gonna be about a demonstration of the spirit of God because there is a generation crying out for reality. They don't want a good argument. They don't wanna be debated. They want an encounter with the spirit. We're spirit people. Like, why do you think Hollywood makes thousands and millions of dollars on movies about the supernatural? There's a generation that's wired to connect with the supernatural. And we have what they're looking for. Like, Anne-Marie was saying this during worship. Like, the spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives inside of us. As he is right now, fully glorified at the right hand of God, so are we in the world right now. We are supernatural people. And lately, man, there's, there's a harvest that is ripe. And do you know what I believe the key to seeing people come to know Jesus? It's just believing what you carry. Yes. It's believing who you are. And lately, I just spent, whenever I, I, I pray for somebody, whenever I share the gospel with somebody, I approach that person not with, oh, I don't know if they're going to want to hear this. No, I approach them with, they're really going to want to hear this because I'm supernatural. And even if they don't want to hear it, they're going to to want to hear it the moment I step in front of them. Because, Because, listen, it's not arrogance. It's faith in the Spirit of God. And, guys, this happened last week. Ben's here preaching. He's preaching on the gospel. And he gives an invitation. I won't say who, because I'll let them kind of share that as they want to. But somebody who's been coming here for a really long time and comes here on a regular basis, I'm on my way out to go to dinner, and I go to say goodbye to them. And I'm like, hey, how's it going? He's like, good. I was like, that was good, huh? He's like, yeah, it was really good. I am like, did you like what Ben shared? He said, yeah. I said, man, I have a really similar testimony. And I shared my 15-second testimony. Remember what Ben talked about? And guys, it was, it was this simple. I go, man, dude, this is what God did for me. I'm just sharing my own journey with Jesus. He starts to tear up on the spot, right out there in the lobby. And he goes, maybe that's what I need to do. I go, do you want to do that right now? He said, uh-huh. And he got saved. He just gave his life to Jesus. Let's just thank the Lord for that. And now he wants to get together. He wants to do coffee. He wants, you know, he wants to learn more. Listen, there are people longing for Jesus. And we have what they're looking for. But let's be a people Of the Spirit. Let's be a people that hunger for fresh encounters with God. Even tonight, we're going to go back into worship, and we're going to ask, and we're going to believe for and expect the fire of God to come light our hearts on fire for both the Spirit of God, encounters with Jesus, and an awakened hunger to encounter him in this book called the Bible. So let me talk for a minute about just cultivating a love for Scripture. Can I do that? I I haven't even kind of looked at what I'm going to talk about, but I'm going to go fast. God wants us to be a people of the scriptures. Let me just say this. I I truly believe, I wholeheartedly believe that this is fully inspired by God. This is fully inspired. This is the book that God designed for us to have. Yes, I believe it was written by man. There's unique personalities. I believe half the probably the majority, if not all of the people that wrote a book or or wrote a genealogy or wrote a history book or wrote a prophetic poem, I probably, none of them knew it would be part of this book. I don't know. I'm not a scholar. I don't know that. But I will, but I do believe this, that even if they didn't know that God knew and God knew that he wanted 39 books in, in the Bible that we would have as the word of God. And I really believe that in an hour where there's been so much attack on the, on the authority of Scripture and on the inspiration of Scripture, we, we, we need to make a decision. Are we going to trust that it's the word of God and that we can encounter Jesus in the Bible? I personally believe that we can and i believe that it's what he's written for us i believe that and and listen i believe that god is because he loves his kids so much he is protected and preserved and watched over if listen i mean if you if you look at like even look at the new testament and you look at like say the greek iliad classic greek uh, piece of greek literature written around the same time as the new testament if you compare original copies of the Iliad to uh, to the Iliad today, there is a huge margin of inconsistencies, of errors, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. If you take some of the original manuscripts of, of Scripture and compare them to the Bible that we have today, the margin of error is crazy small. Crazy, and, and, you know, I'd be lying if I said people don't think that there's some because there's sometimes things are lost in translation etc but my point is this i believe that god has watched over his word and protected his word and given as a gift to us the the bible as his word that is a revelation of his son jesus but here's the deal the moment we go so far off into interpretive in interpretive liberties and decide yeah, I think that's probably true. That's probably not. I'll take this piece. I'll take, nah, probably not that part. I don't really like what that says there. The, the reality is when we when we like do that, we're in danger of creating a God in our image. Instead of realizing that we're, created in the image of God, and that doesn't mean that we can't question and ask for clarity and, and, and seek deeper wisdom and deeper understanding, but at the end of the day, I really believe that it takes faith to believe that the Bible is the word of God. Is this, is this helping anybody at all? And, and I really believe that there is just something about approaching this in faith that unlocks so much for us. And uh, so what I want to do is uh, I just want to share just a couple keys that have just helped me, a couple practical things that have helped me as it pertains to cultivating a love for scripture. And number one is this, I just love this. It's my favorite thing to do with the Bible. And that is this, look for Jesus on every page. Look, like, listen, this entire book points to the person of Jesus. Now, I don't believe that just the Old Testament, I believe it's accurate. I believe that it's inspired all of that, but I don't believe it's a full revelation of Jesus. I believe we have the full revelation of Jesus in the new covenant. You might have heard it said that the the new covenant is concealed in the old. It's hidden. Types and shadows and prophecies all through it. And the old covenant, the mysteries, like what are you guys talking about, is actually revealed in the new. But for me, one of the things that I love to do is I love to just look for Jesus on every page. And guys, he's from Genesis all through all of it. Like like Genesis three, you remember it. You remember the serpent comes, deceives Eve. Next thing we know, God comes and he speaks to the serpent and he's like, listen, you're gonna bruise his heel. Meaning, or he's, first of all, he said this. He said, I'm gonna put enmity between your seed, speaking to the devil, and her seed, Eve's seed, her seed being Jesus. I'm going to put enmity between your seed and her seed. And although you're going to bruise his heel, he's going to crush your head. Guys, that's the gospel right there. Jesus, or like Satan bruised Jesus' heel at the cross. But how many of you know that it backfired and at the cross, Jesus defeated Satan once and for all? That's a prophetic word of the gospel in scripture. And he's, listen, he's all through there. Thousands of years before Jesus came to earth, there's specific, detailed prophecies about him coming to us and what he would do. All, it's all through Psalms, you know what I mean? In Psalms, it actually prophesies about, you know, the, the soldiers gambling for Jesus' clothes at the cross. It's like, what the heck? Like, how did they know that? And one of my favorites is... Uh, in isaiah 53 you guys are familiar with this right isaiah 53 like this is the gospel thousands of years before jesus came uh isaiah 53 verse 5 but he jesus it doesn't say jesus says but he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement for our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed it's the gospel and it's listen he's on every page and he's in all of the prophets all of the major prophets the minor prophets all through psalms all through proverbs like jesus is in there and uh, one of the one of the uh, accounts in the gospels that i love so much is in luke 24 and in luke 24 we read how after jesus rose from the dead it says that two disciples were depressed because Jesus, or, uh, he rose from the dead, but they didn't know that yet, or they didn't believe it yet. His tomb was empty. All they know is Jesus, the rabbi, their teacher, was nailed to a cross, put in a tomb, and now his body's missing. They're depressed. They're not full of faith. And it says that they were walking from Jerusalem on the road to Emmaus. And You know, some people think that the road from Jerusalem to Emmaus was seven miles, some think it was 17 miles. It doesn't matter. It was a long walk and they're depressed. And all of a sudden, it says that Jesus resurrected Christ, manifests, and just starts chilling beside them. He's just walking with them. But it says they were kept from recognizing him. So, and I just love, you know, I just love picturing what this is like. It's like Jesus manifests, like he's like kind of being sneaky. He's just kind of messing with them a little bit. He's just walking with them and he's messing with them and he goes, what are you guys talking about? And they're like, you must be a stranger. Because don't you know like, about Jesus of Nazareth and all the things that happened? You must be a stranger to Jerusalem. He's like, what things? <laughs> and they, they start to tell him a little bit. And then it says this. It says, Jesus said, oh, you guys are so slow of heart to believe all the things that the law and the prophets say concerning Jesus. And then it says, from Moses and all through the prophets. When they say Moses, they mean the Pentateuch. They mean the first five books of the Bible. They mean the law. So he's like, from all through the five books of the Bible and the prophets, probably the minor prophets and the major prophets, it says that Jesus began to open the scriptures and unpack through a spirit of revelation what the scriptures say concerning him. They're like getting rocked. It's like resurrected Jesus, teaching the Bible about Jesus. And then it said that they get to, uh, it says they, when, they got to, when they finally got to Jerusalem, Jesus was pretending he was going to keep going. He's like, see you guys, it's, it's been real. And, um, and they're like, no, 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 you should stay. Like they're, they're, they didn't know it was Jesus yet, but they're like, there's something about this guy. Like, like There's something about him. Like, can you just stay the night? Stay, eat with us, hang out. He's like, all right. So he's sitting there, and it says that as soon as he broke bread and gave thanks, their eyes were open, they saw that it was Jesus, and he disappeared from their sight. And then I love this next line it says that they looked at each other and they said, did our hearts not burn within us? As he opened the scriptures to us and showed us what it said concerning himself. And I believe there's something of a spirit of revelation that the Lord wants to release to us that when we open the Bible, we just encounter him. We just encounter him wherever we're reading. And here's another just kind of key I wanna share. One of the things that I do is, this is so simple, But it just, it works for me. When I sit down, it just helps for me to say, Holy Spirit, would you come? And would you come with the spirit of revelation and speak to me in your word? And there's something, he's there anyway, but there's just something for me, at least mentally, just asking him that I'm just, I'm I'm attaching faith to it. And next thing I know, I'm expecting him to come. And that's another key, like expect the Holy Spirit To come encounter you in his word. And here's the other thing that I do. Is I like to ask Holy Spirit, what books of the Bible are you breathing on for me right now? And for me, it's not like I get a vision. It's not like I hear the audible voice of God say, read the gospel of Luke. Like I just like, I just kind of like take a moment and I'm just still before the Lord. I'm like, Lord, what are you, what are you breathing on? And what I do is I just pay attention to my stirrings. Wow. I just start to pay attention to my internal stirrings and I'll start to just feel just this kind of, this burning or this stirring to get in the gospels. I'll just feel this stirring. Oh man, I feel like when I crack open the Psalms, I'm just gonna encounter him afresh. And I might even just read like half a Psalm, maybe one verse. And if something starts to stir, I stop and I camp. Don't be in a hurry to read your chapter. Don't be in a hurry to get through your daily Bible reading. Ask what he's breathing on. As you read, pay attention to your stirrings. Camp out there and just be like, oh Lord, that's good. Meditate on it. I Ask him to take it deeper. And here's the other thing. This is a dangerous, scary prayer, but it's good because he's good and he loves us. And that is, let's, let's invite his loving conviction. Like, like he's been convicting me, but listen, the conviction of God is so pure. It's so loving, it's so full of hope. Like condemnation pushes us from God. Shame pushes us away. Conviction says, let me just remind you who you are and let me just cut you with the sword right now through my love. Invite his loving conviction to cut you deep because it's only in his love. It's only for the purpose of making us more like him. That's always only for our own good anyway. So I just wanna read just these two scriptures and I'll close with this. 2 Corinthians 3, 16 says, all scripture, everybody say "all all scripture, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. I'm inviting his correction for instruction in righteousness. Listen to this. That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Hebrews 12, verse seven to eight. And I want to finish with this. It says, fully embrace God's correction as part of your training, for he is doing what any loving father does for his children. For who has ever heard of a child who never had to be corrected? We all should welcome God's discipline as the validation of authentic sonship. For if we have never once endured his correction, it only proves we are strangers and not sons. And uh, so it's his loving correction. It's because we're his kids. And the the team can start to come up. The last key that I want to share is this. It's really, really spiritual. It's really, really profound. But I just want to just quote the prophet uh, Nike who said, just do it. (laughs) Like, just do it. And can I just say that there's something about a commitment to regularly be in the word of God. Listen, ask my wife. I am a thousand times more emotional than her. I am a thousand times more all over the map than her. If I lived by my emotions and only did things that I felt like doing when I felt like doing it, listen, I'd be in rough shape. You guys would be in rough shape. So let me, so, but I've I've made a commitment. And listen, it's not religion. It's not because I think God loves me more if I do it. But in the same way that when I go to the gym, even when I don't feel like it, I'm really, really glad I did it. I mean, look at me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the, the same way that I am so glad that I did it. When, like, Listen, I might not feel like it, but if I'm like, you know what? I believe God's gonna speak to me. I'm gonna get into the word. It's, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna invite his conviction. I'm gonna invite Holy Spirit to come speak to me. Listen, even if it's just 15 minutes, it's like, oh, there he is. And even if you don't feel him by faith, oh, there he is. Jesus is in the room with me. I might not see him, but he's here. So Lord, I invite you to come, speak to me through your word and make me more like you. Let's all stand where we are. And uh, I'm just going to pray. I'm going to go back into a song and what we're going to do is we're going to ask Holy Spirit to come with his fire, and this to awaken in our hearts um, a fresh a fresh passion for His presence, for encounters, and that would be a people whose hearts burn for the Word of God. Cause I just feel like God is just calling us, man, just to be a people of the Word and the Spirit. So, listen, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna worship for a little bit, and uh, but we're gonna we're gonna pray. In fact, if you want to come on up to the front, um, as you know, as we worship and as we pray, we're just gonna open up at the front, and it might even be just kind of your kind of way of saying, you know what. God, come, here I am. Let your fire fall on the sacrifice. I'm presenting myself to you afresh to set my heart on fire with a passion for your presence and a passion for your word. So if you wanna do that, just come on up to the front and uh, we're gonna sing. And um, after we sing for a little bit, I'm just gonna pray and pray that the fire would fall on our hearts, okay? Thanks for joining us for today's message. Don't forget to check out our website at kingdomlife.sa.com for more podcasts, updates, and events. Or find us on Facebook and Instagram. Have a blessed day.